Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Freedom Forum Radio is for you, faithful listeners. No matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to, Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, individual freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. You're listening to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. We pick up right now where we left off last week with Dr. Michael Kaufman. Now let me give you the actual theory of carbon dioxide. Rarely, some of you may have heard this, but most of you probably have not. Now, I I have a minor in this, so I know what I'm talking about. I've talked about to lead scientists around the world. In fact, we have two DVDs out on this very issue that have, I think, had a big impact in Australia, which is basically running away from this man-caused global warming um, garbage. But nonetheless, it's been one of our bestsellers in Australia. What is actually happening is that it's not carbon dioxide that's going to cause the heating. It's water vapor that causes the heating. And this is how these people theorize. They basically believe that because we are creating more carbon dioxide, especially in the tropical zones, you know, plus or minus 30 degrees around the equator, what happens is that that causes more warming, ground heating and so forth. It causes more upward transportation of massive blocks of air, which then creates more thunderstorms, more clouds, and more upper atmosphere uh, moisture. It's that moisture that causes the heating, the heat to be trapped in the Earth's atmosphere, not carbon dioxide. In fact, carbon dioxide is almost supersaturated at this point around the Earth. You, you cannot saturate carbon, more carbon dioxide in the Earth's atmosphere much more than it is right now. A little bit, but that little bit is enough, they believe, to cause this upward migration of blocks of air, create more clouds, and therefore you have this high, thin layer of cirrus clouds in the upper, upper atmosphere as well as more moisture in the upper atmosphere. And that is what's causing... That's the basis. You ask any scientist that knows what they're talking about, that's what they will tell you. You never hear it in the popular press, but that's exactly what they think. Now, has there been any evidence of more serious clouds being formed in the upper atmosphere? None. Zero. Zip. 
Has there been any evidence of more moisture being trapped in the upper atmosphere? None. No. Zero. Zip. In fact, the signature of the fingerprint that we call of man-caused global warming is just not there. It's gone entirely. It never was there. And as a consequence, what we're seeing here is nothing more than a major propaganda uh, effort on the part of the globalists or the elite, as you were talking about earlier, trying to convince us that man is causing global warming when there is zero. And when I say zero, I mean zero. 0.0000000 scientific evidence that man is causing global warming. Now, what about the glaciers melting? Well, they did melt. They're still melting in some cases. But what caused it? That's the question. It's not that man caused it. What is causing global warming? Well, if you understand the science of global warming or understand the, the climatology a bit, you realize back in the 17 and 1800s, there were two what we call little ice age that occurred. They were two to three degrees cooler than it is right now. And those two, degree, two to three degrees cooler caused massive glaciers to form in the Alps and the Himalayas and elsewhere around the world. <clears throat> and then it started to warm up. We started to see more warming in the late uh, 1800s and early 1900s and so forth until the 20th century probably marked the warmest period since that time. And what we've seen is the Earth's atmosphere gradually warming up or recovering from that little, those two little ice ages back in the 1700s and 1800s. And as a consequence, the glaciers started to melt. It had nothing to do with man-caused warming. The Antarctic ice breaks that we've seen in the Antarctic Peninsula, for instance, we almost every year we saw huge blocks of ice breaking off, had nothing to do with man-caused global warming. Had everything to do with volcanic activity underneath the ocean, around the um, Antarctic Peninsula, and so forth. I could go on and on and on in explaining this. We talk about extreme weather conditions happening because of global warming. Folks, there have been no extreme weather events, even Hurricane Sandy, although it wasn't even a hurricane. But Hurricane Sandy and the destruction it created a couple of years ago in New, in New Jersey and New York was not unusual. It's happened several times before. So why are we getting so alarmed? Because they're not telling you that it's happened several times before. They want you to believe that this is an extreme weather event when it wasn't. The ocean outside of New Jersey during Hurricane Sandy was not anywhere atypical at all. It was the same old, same old. And now we believe that because we have global warming, all these weird events are happening, and they're not. I mean, we just had last recently record rainstorms in Long Island and so forth, 13 inches in five hours or something like that. If they go back on the records, if the records exist, they'll probably find, and I haven't seen it yet, but they'll probably find that this has happened before except it wasn't nearly as damaging because there wasn't as much built up at that time when it actually happened. And so they take an isolated event and make a major case for it. The number of tornadoes that we're experiencing right now, 2014 probably has the record low number of extreme tornadoes. Record low. Same with hurricanes. We haven't had a major hurricane now in years, and that's very unusual. Now, I'm not saying it's never going to happen again because it's going to happen again. You and I know it's going to happen again. But the fact is that we have not seen these extreme weather events. In fact, 2014 has seen almost three times as many record low temperatures than we've seen in record high temperatures. In, 
there's every evidence. In fact, the solar scientists um, that are studying the sun on a daily basis believe that the sun is going into hibernation, and they have all kinds of evidence to suggest that. The last time it happened was in the 1700s and 1800s. Uh-oh. What that means, basically, if we had a cold period back in the 17 and 1800s called the Little Ice Age, are we heading back into another Little Ice Age? There is more and more evidence to suggest that we are. Now, I'm not going to say we are because it could change again. However, this has been, as far as a solar cycle concerned, this is 25, number 25, it's been the lowest amplitude of solar, solar flares, solar magnetic storms, and so forth than we have ever seen since the 1700s. And as a consequence, what we're saying is that if the sun is controlling Earth's climate, which it's got to, I mean, where else is the energy coming from, how is it happening? I'll explain that in a moment. The fact is, though, is that because we seem to be going into hibernation, solar hibernation, and this isn't me speaking, these are true solar scientists from around the world that are warning the American, you'll never see it in your newspaper, you'll never see it on the evening news, but they're warning constantly that we're heading into a hibernation period, which historically has resulted in much cooler temperatures. Now, why, why are those much cooler temperatures important? Because they're shorter growing seasons. You have crop, massive crop failures, and this means starvation. This is what happened back in the Black Plagues and so forth of Europe, is that they had very short growing seasons. They had far, starvation. Uh, they had all of these things because they could not grow enough food. Now, we have technology that will help us a lot if we go into that again. But the fact is, it's going to be a stretch for even us because it's going to, if it happens, I'm not saying it's going to, but if it happens, it'll be at least 40 to 70 years long based on historical evidence. Well, and as a con, go ahead. Well, again, this is what we're talking about. They have to keep amending the story, and now it's changed to the term climate change because yeah. what else are they going to do? Everything they do or everything they say is incorrect. But if they say climate change, it's sort of is like this umbrella thing, and then they can use that to hit us over the head. And one of the best examples, as far as I'm concerned, is Greenland, which is now a sheet yeah. of ice. There used to be farms, farmland, and, and crops, and, and herds of cattle in Greenland. There's plenty of evidence that that was, and that was, you know, a thousand years ago or so when that occurred. Right. That was what we call the medieval climate optimum. Back around 1,000 or 1,000 years to 1,200 years, we had the, the medieval climate optimum, which it was about 2 to 3 degrees warmer than it is right now. We keep say, hearing this as the warmest it's ever been. Folks, it's not even close to being the warmest it's ever been. In fact, 10,000 years ago, it was a lot warmer than it is right now. And somehow planet Earth managed to survive that. And Greenland is the classic example, and let me give you an exa another example of Greenland I think that is very important. It's on my DVDs. Is back in the 1940s, during World War One, 30s, 40s, I can't remember, I think it was the 30s, in World War, not World War I, World War II, what happened was that we had a squadron of new planes, P-51s being sent, B-17s being sent over to Europe for the war. They refueled in Greenland, took off to go to Iceland, because they didn't have the range that they have now. And they got to Iceland, it was fogged in, they had to turn around and try to land back in Greenland, but by that time, Greenland was fogged in. And so they had to land on the ice cap itself. They landed, 
Nobody was killed. They got rescued and all the rest. The plane sat there for a number of years. They tried to find them at those planes again. They couldn't. Fifty years later, they finally found those planes, and they were 265 feet below the ice surface. 265 feet in, in basically 50 years. Now, how could that have happened? It's happened because we've had so much ice accumulating on Greenland during that period of time. And they now claim that we're having global warming and Iceland's going to melt. Uh, not very likely. And it would have a lot of melting to go before it even got down to where it was fifty or back in the 1930s and 40s. So there's overwhelming empirical evidence to suggest that we're not having man-caused global warming. It's overwhelming and yet, we, all we ever hear out of the popular press, the mainstream media, is that we are certainly going to die if we don't stop this global warming. Even if we have to destroy our economy in the process, we've got to do it. Well, they want us to det- destroy the economy. That's part of the goal of, of taking over control and having socialism uh, in the world. But let's continue with the EPA. The Endangered Species Act. It's really just a cover for the theft of private property, isn't it? Yes, it is. And they've been doing this. You know, we're talking about Agenda 21 at the beginning of our dialogue here, but really it started a long time ago, back in the 1970s, with the creation of the EPA, the Endangered Species Act, the Clean Air Act, Clean Water Act, and so forth. And I'm writing a series of papers, on articles on those right now. The Endangered Species Act, perhaps, is probably the biggest club that the radical environmentalists, the green environmentalists have had, and the agencies themselves, the federal agencies, to basically control all private property rights around the country or, or try to. And it's now, you know, it's just assumed that we're, if you have a bald eagle within half a mile of, of your property, you can't do anything, even though the bald eagle is now no longer on the Endangered Species Act because it's been recovered, supposedly. It had nothing to do with the act. It had to do with man man's effort to have it drawn attention to the the problem with the bald eagle and therefore people begin to start paying attention to what they were doing and actually that's what led to the recovery of the bald eagle it had nothing absolutely nothing to do with the clean air or the uh, endangered species act but that aside the endangered species act it was designed the people who wrote it and designed it actually said at the time they wanted to control private property rights that's what the intent was and it's worked beautifully, because there it has nothing to do with protecting endangered species. In fact, anything that the EPA does has nothing to do with protecting the environment. I'll get into that in a moment. It has everything to do with control. That's what its whole purpose is. The EPA, the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, and so forth. Now, that's, I'm overstating it a little bit, because we did have problems, and I'll get into that in a moment, I hope. But the fact is that we have a series of laws who were designed basically to control our lives and put that power into the hands of bureaucracies. We have to take a quick commercial break. More with Dr. Michael Kaufman right after this. Well, again, I mean, the Endangered Species Act, and you can continue on it, and why don't you go ahead and talk about the control of water? Because the, that all goes hand in hand. If you control the land and you control the water and you restrict and regulate the use, you are stealing people's private property rights. Uh, and that's what we're fighting against. Yes, it is. And it's be, 
let me just tell you what the EPA is doing right now, because you probably have heard this, but you may not really understand the, mag- the magnitude of what it means. As the Clean Water Act basically says that the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers and others should regulate water activities to protect the um, navigable waters of the United States. That means you have to float a boat. Now, they never really defined what a boat was. It could be a canoe, I suppose. But the fact is that it was for navigable waters. They didn't want ships to be dumping their, their garbage into the bays and estuaries and so forth and just uh, polluting those bays and estuaries. They did not want factories uh, along the Mississippi River or other rivers just to be dumping their raw fluent into the rivers. They wanted to clean them up, and it was a good, it was a good goal. But the fact is that the ha- it has been interpreted now to encroach upon land so that you, the EPA now has control of land miles from the nearest waterway. And now they're trying to actually get the word navigable waters taken out of the law. And they're doing this through regulation. This is not an act of Congress. It's in the law. But the, what they're trying to do by floating it with the Federal Register is to basically eliminate the concept of navigable waters, which puts them in control. And I, and I can't overemphasize this point enough cannot overemphasize it enough, is that they will have control over land use on every place that has a mud puddle or maybe have uh, flowing water for another two out of, the, out of the year. They will control that, plus its drainage area into that mud puddle or into that uh, perennial, not perennial, but the uh, uh, temporary waterway. It is beyond belief, because if they do that, then almost, uh, this is an over, over-exaggeration. But almost every acre in the United States will now immediately become under the authority of the EPA, and you have to get a permit for doing anything. It's basically Agenda 21 on steroids, because the government will be in control of everything that you do on your property. Everything. Well, that's obviously what they're trying to do, because when you get that kind of control, then you lose your property rights and you lose your freedom. Yeah. Uh, where we live here in the mountains, I mean, private property is extremely important. Uh, we have families who've lived on the land for generations. It's family land. And they pass it down as a birthright, as a sacred trust from one generation to the other. Uh, and that is the exact thing that the EPA is and the Agenda 21 people, they hate it. They hate it because these people cannot be controlled if they own private property. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what the EPA is trying to do. Now, let's just indicate another. This is some of the things that I'm trying to write up into a series of articles that will be coming out in Range Magazine probably the end of the year. I write a lot for Range Magazine. Now, Range, or the EPA, was set up to be protect the environment. I don't think there's anyone, I can't imagine any one person in the United States, there probably are some, but that would not want to protect our environment. We all want to have clean water, clean air, and so forth. I mean, that's just the natural. But what they have done is taken that natural desire on the part of the American citizen and twisted it and contorted it into something that is absolutely totally different than what they what what we think we're getting on, by the part of the average American. That concludes this week's episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum with Dr. Michael Kaufman. Tune in next week for more. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. 
Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Oh, <laughs> 